This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, July 29th, 2012. Book, James Book, 005, Faith-Filled. Yeah, baby! Uh, no fail, thank you. We're so glad you found Jesus through all this. Barry, you're amazing. Thank you for putting that together all these five weeks. How many people saw five weeks of this? Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. All righty, so here we go. So today, today we uh, look at the final chapter of James, the book of James 005. Our focus this morning is being uh, faith-filled. Good morning, Connection Church. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much that we could gather here today, that we could learn more about your will and your way in our lives. Thank you for the writer James as... uh, We learn about being faith-filled. Open us up, we pray, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So let's jump right in. James 005, we're going to start at verse 7, run through verse 9 right now. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Okay, so up to this point, throughout the four chapters that we've looked at, James, we've found, is a man of action. A man of action. The very first week of July, we took a look at how James talked about persevering, about Staying the course. And then week two, we looked at James 002. He talked about not just listening to God's word, but being a doer of God's word because faith without works is dead faith. All right. And then two weeks ago, we took a look at chapter three, where it's so important to manage our tongue because just saying the wrong thing could easily set off like a spark that could cause something like a very large, uh, very destructive fire. So he talked about how important it was to tame the tongue. And then last week, church, what did we talk about? YOLO. You only live once. And we took that very popular expression that isn't a good thing, and we tried to give it a twist so that we do indeed take not for granted each day, each moment that God gives us. Because we do only live once. It's important to stay Christ-centered as we walk it out. So action, action, action. That's what James has focused on on these first four chapters up to this point. And yet here in chapter 5 that we look at this morning, he tells his listeners to be patient as they wait for the Lord. He compares this to a farmer waiting for a crop as he tells his listeners uh, that the Lord's coming is near. Now, here's something really important to understand as we read this. See, the early church, when I say early church, I mean the church immediately following uh, Jesus uh, being here on the earth. The very early church lived with the expectation 
that the second coming of Jesus was very, very close at hand. Like, soon and very soon, if not immediately, Jesus was coming back. And as such, then, with that in mind, uh, James is encouraging people to wait with patience. They're to be faith-filled, not blaming one another for the challenges that arise, not judging as the judge himself, Jesus, his coming is close at hand. And so they are to patiently wait, faithfully wait, for Jesus to come again. Now, 2,000 years later, we know that the second coming of Jesus was a little more than a few years away. And uh, we still wait. We still wait to see Jesus face, face to face. <coughs> but it is still very close of hand, at hand when you think about all of eternity. So James tells us to continue to be patient and faithful. In fact, that is a virtue as we wait in expectation of the coming of our Lord and Savior. So we continue in James chapter 5, and let's pick it up at verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Say the rest with me. The Lord is full full of of compassion and mercy. And so in this passage, James continues to encourage patience as he couples it with the idea of perseverance. Patience and perseverance. What a great combination as we faithfully open ourselves up to God and what God has in store for us. uh, James refers to Job, uh, a man found in the Old Testament who was patient and who persevered in the midst of great trial and tribulation. Uh, It was Job who had his patience rewarded by God, our God, who is full of compassion and mercy. And then James continues on in verse 12 by saying this, is saying, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Kind of an odd passage, I think, when I first looked at it. Do not swear. James is not referring to those words that we should not say. Instead, he's talking about telling the truth. Let your word be your word. You know, sometimes we think we have to take an oath and then we'll tell the truth. Well, we should tell the truth regardless. You know, let our yes be yes, our no be no. Let our word be our word. It's important to just tell the truth. And then Jesus continues on, or excuse me, James continues on in verses 13 through 16 when he says this. He says, is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we hear this fire whistle, um, 
we do have the privilege of praying each time. We ask a mighty protection over the situation that would be the cause of that, that there would be no loss of person or property, that um, this is really just a, a false alarm. Please watch over the responders, those along the way, those on the road. We thank you for being there before anybody else, being there ahead of time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Alan just read James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It's, it's on the screen. And here we have the nitty-gritty of this passage, kind of what we, we really want to focus on today. Now, the very beginning, if you have the NIV version, uh, the heading in my Bible says this is a prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. We've See, we've come full circle in James. Faith without works is dead faith. That's right. And yet, and yet, here we have it at the very end of this book. James all brings it back to faith. Faith as expressed in prayer. Faith in the relationship. Praying in faith. Let's look a little more closely at the whole passage. In the first part there, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Well, how often have I forgotten to do that when I met a challenge halfway through? I, oh gosh, I should have prayed, or even afterwards. Things from something as simple as losing my keys to something much more uh, involved, like something foolish that I've done or a large decision that I've had to make. And uh, uh, not praying over it is the worst, one of the worst things I could do because we always want to involve God in our challenges and our decisions, whether they be little or whether they're big. You know, prayer acknowledges God's power and God's presence and draws God in, and we then can draw on God's power and presence at all times, in all places, no matter what the magnitude of the challenge might be. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. I don't know about you, but when things get kind of smooth sailing, you know, those moments when that happens, I sort of just like get in the moment and forget to even thank God and praise God for those times. It's easier to say, oh God, when we're in trouble. But the scripture says, and it's very clear, we're supposed to thank God and praise God during the great times and during the tough times. You see, it's a relationship that we have with Jesus and relationships have to go two ways. And it's all the time, you know, we don't check in and check out. God wants all of us, the good and the not so good. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Well, this is very powerful. What could be more powerful than drawing on the Lord's power when it comes to illness, to sickness, to to those kind of things? And we've done that before here. We've called on the elders. We've called on the leaders of the church to pray over people who are facing serious challenges of that nature. We've anointed with oil. And, um, you know, the thing about the oil is this isn't some magic potion. This doesn't have miracle powers. It's, It's pure olive oil bought by a food lion. I mean, it's just ordinary store brand olive oil. Just ordinary. This isn't magical. 
But the thing is, this we use, and, and usually like the sign of the cross on someone's forehead or uh, use it in that way. It's not the oil, but it's what it represents. It's an outward and visible sign of God's extraordinary healing power. So the ordinary is used as a sign for the extraordinary, the extraordinary power of God's healing. We, we, we often we keep this and try to keep it in the worship center here because it's such an important sign, such an important symbol of that power that God has for making us well. Healing prayer. We have a healing prayer service right here next Sunday night at 7 o'clock. It's a time when we pray that this church body comes together and worships, and you'll hear a testimony, a very powerful testimony of God's healing. You'll share in Holy Communion. Uh, there will be prayer. It will be a great night, something that we'll have on a regular basis moving forward. There's also something called the Healing Prayer Course. You might have heard about that. We had one in the spring. There will be a level two in the fall. If you didn't take level one, it's okay. You can come on and take level two. It'll be Friday nights. We hope that you'll learn more about healing prayer. And there's one more opportunity that we want you to know about. There are people who have been trained and they are ready. They are committed to praying with you. And so we hope that you'll take advantage of that. And it's going to be uh, different nights during the week. Talk to Pastor Lori Brown and she can arrange that, point you in the direction that you need so that you can be surrounded and receive healing prayer. Praying for healing can really be a challenge at times because um, our challenge sometimes is what we hope for, what we expect, and the way God brings healing, and they might be very different from one another. God's healing may and often does look very different than what we had hoped for. It's interesting how God, though, seems to know better than we do what kind of healing we really need. You know, we often are tuned into that physical healing and I mean, we've, I've seen God's miraculous physical healing and, and the power of prayer that. But just because we pray for physical healing doesn't mean that that's where God's going to deliver. We may need uh, spiritual healing. We may need emotional healing. We might need psychological healing. And oftentimes I've found those needs are much greater than the physical healing that we so often, uh, I use the word crave, um, You know, the thing is, we don't snap our fingers and say, jump, and God says, how high? That's not how it works. It's not saying, God, this is what I want, and if you don't bring it, then you're not who I thought you were. That's not how it works at all. We faithfully put our lives in God's hands and say, God, man, I need some help. I need some healing, and God knows what we need far better than we do. And the healing God's going to bring is exactly the healing that uh, God knows we need. And uh, that's our challenge sometimes. Another one of our challenges is that when healing doesn't come as we expect it, we might feel that we don't have enough faith. If I just had more faith, or (laughs) somebody would say, well, you just need more faith. And... um, 
that is really flawed theology. Very, that's really treacherous ground. So let's say we have this, uh, this faith line. Okay, so I'm going to have more faith, more faith, more faith. Okay, how much more do I need to tip that pendulum so that God will do what God does? That is not how it works. The faith of a mustard seed. You know how big a mustard seed is? I mean, it's so small. That's what we need. Now, putting God to this test and like, okay, you know, that name it and claim it stuff, that really can get very, very uh, crazy because we are never good enough. We can never pray enough. We can never be faithful enough. But God is good enough. And God is faithful enough. And so God will do what God's going to do. And we need to offer ourselves in a faithful and a faith-filled way, knowing that God is on the throne. As you're talking about the mustard seed, you know, it's not how much faith. There's no faith a meter. But just to have faith to start with, how often all it takes is to just have faith faith to start with just that much that's the challenge isn't it to faithfully say god i'm yours and to leave it there if they have sinned they will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective Hmm. confessing our sin to one another this isn't uh, talking about going at the confessional booth with the priest or p- religious person and, one, you know, dumping your stuff. This is talking about with others. That Are you supposed to do this with everybody and anybody like today? Stand up here and just, I don't think so. That wouldn't be very healthy for anybody. You have to t- uh, share with people you trust who you are in a relationship with where you know that they love you and they care about you. And that your stuff can be trusted with them. Some of that really stuff you wouldn't share with hardly anybody. Um, and why don't we just share it with Jesus? Well, we can share it with just Jesus. The, the value of sharing with some other close people is they, they can hold us accountable. They can say, how are you doing with that thing? They can follow up. And, and also they can pray with us and help us to know that we're not alone, whatever we're going through. Uh, you know, with Jesus, we're never alone, but I think Jesus gave us cl- f- friends and people who are close so that we have a very physical presence there to remind us that we're not alone. Um, the, that's one of the pluses of like a small group. Hopefully your small group is people that you trust, that you love, that you're close to. That's why we talk about this sharing, caring, and daring. You can share your stuff, you, the, the sins in your life, the glories in your life, the challenges, the triumphs. Not just the down stuff, but the good stuff as well. You can, you can uh, uh, share and you can care about one another and you can dare to be you. And that's a challenge some days, isn't it? Daring to be just us because that makes us vulnerable. And it's hard to be vulnerable. But hopefully there's a few people that you can uh, be that way with so that you know that you're not out there uh, by yourself and like I say, it's not just the sins, it's the challenges, it's the joys, it's the ups, it's the downs. It's doing life together with all that means. So the bottom line here is faith. 
it's faith, living a faith-filled life. A life filled with faithful prayer, a life surrounded by faithful people, a life uh, with faithful reliance on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that saving grace that only God can give. And even though James says that faith without works is dead faith, he really points to really it's all about faith. So we've asked Barry and Joy Wiseman to come up and share a little bit. We've been walking with them the last couple weeks uh, with the the most recent uh, circumstances, and uh, they're going to share about faith. We shared this picture uh, two weeks ago with a fire at our home. Ours is the house to the left. And I think we mentioned then one of the first things I noticed was the cross that seemed to be formed by the fire. And it's kind of come to symbolize how God has gotten us through this each and every day, how his faith in us and our faith in him has drawn us closer together as a family and just made us not obsess over, oh gosh, what happened? It's been more about how we've been blessed by what's happened. Um, If you're going to have a fire, the pieces that God put in place helped us get through this. We weren't home when the fire started. We were at small group. And where else would you want to be when one of the worst things you can imagine happens to your home? So we, I left small group with a, a good friend, one of the guys at our small group who was, I realized later that God put the perfect person in my path to be with me that day. He may not be the closest person I'm with in our small group, but he was the one that would just have the right, the right spirit, the right mentality to be there for me, just to, just to stand with me. When I called Joy and Sharon, when she came, just to be there with me and pray with me. Um, one of the things, of course, you pray for is all the precious things. You, you know your lives are safe, your family's safe, but what about the pictures, the memories you have in the house? And it was all spared. And one of the other things I prayed about was my laptop, which is your laptop. It's the laptop the church has for me to use to make the videos and the graphics that we do. It was sitting 10 foot away from where the hottest part of the fire was. When I walked in on the dining room table where it was, I could see the soot where the firefighters came in and they just missed it. It was spared. And somebody just the other day said, it's like God put a little bubble around that and said, not this. So of all the stuff we had to throw out, the laptop was spared. And the work that I've been able to do here has been able to continue because of it. But, you know, standing there that day, I realized I never was just, never felt helpless. I knew it was going to be okay. I never had this urge just to cry out. I knew that it was going to be all right. Our family was going to be okay. And I knew it was because of God. I knew it was because of the people that were there. We talked about James saying, call the elders of your church together. Our elders just showed up. (laughs) We're standing there, and here comes Carrie. Here comes Alan. Here comes other people in the church who came in person and by phone and by text who just reached out to us and just embraced us, just embraced our family and the faith that this church has. And not just in this church, but in the body of Christ together has made us know that just we're going to be okay. And we have just felt overwhelmed, not by, not by anger or frustration, but by love. If you'd asked me a few months ago, how would I react if this happened to our home? I think my response would have been, I would have been angry and asking, why me? I have never for a moment wondered that or thought that. It's always been just thankful to God for his blessings upon us. Thankful for the kids and for joy and just how we've been able to get through this. Thankful for a church that has made us feel loved and the faith-filled people that surround us each and every day. As parents, 
our first thought was, how do we protect our kids? But like he said, we were in small group, which is where they stayed safe, getting loved on by their friends while we ran and dealt with what we needed to do. It's, it's just been amazing, the outpouring of love by people that we know, people that we don't know, people that don't know us. Um, the next day, we walked through the house with the kids. They wanted to see. I didn't want them there. Um, but they wanted to see it all, so we walked through the whole house and showed them the damage, showed them what was still safe, what was spared, what was close calls. And as we were leaving, our 11-year-old said, Wow, it really could have been a lot worse. And as a mom, I'm thinking, You're not even supposed to know that. But they get it. We know and they know how blessed we are. This is a mark in the timeline of our life. This is something that we'll always look back on as, oh, well, that happened before the fire, or no, that happened after the fire. And our challenge is, what is our story? What story do we want our children to tell about it? And we've never really felt like our faith has been tested. It's been strengthened. It's been encouraged because of so many faith-filled people around us reaching out to us and just pouring into our lives from housing to food to sending us on a date night just so we could try to get away for a little bit. The people that have given places for our kids to just be kids. It's, it's overwhelming. But it's the faith-filled people that are around us giving us a safe place to be able to take each step forward in our faith because we know that God's in control. Thank you, Barry and Joy. And so there's a word that we want to share, sola fide. What does that mean? Faith alone. You see, we put our faith, our faith alone in the one true God, in the one who is good enough. We're not, but he is good enough. And he can save us from ourselves and he can walk with us through every moment of every day. And when we're faced with things like fires or illness or relationship things that are are horrible and all kinds of things, it is through faith and faith alone that help us keep our focus on the one, the only one, truly, who can carry us through. And so our God is great. Our God is awesome. He is mighty to save. And we claim that today as um, women and men of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's live it and let's believe it. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty God, um, thank you for the teachings of James uh, each week as we took a look at uh, James and how uh, you spoke through him. God, thank you so much. And now help us put all this into action and help us stay the course and, and reach out in care and concern for others. Help us tame our tongue 
and help us live uh, each day as a gift. Also with patience and perseverance to be faith-filled. Lord, we thank you for your gift of love, for your mercy and for your compassion that is new every day. We pray this in the name of God the Father, Son Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.